Welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast, where we have real and raw conversations about growth and healing that will shift your perspective in profound ways. We take a unique approach to healing the overthinking mind, creating conscious relationships, and living a life of courage and freedom. So take a deep breath and get ready to expand your mind, connect to your body, and activate your spirit. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Healing Embodied Podcast. This is your host, Chelsea Horton. And for today's episode, I'm going to be sharing a recording of a live Q&A that I did with a client. I had her bring her top, most pressing questions concerning her relationship anxiety, and we just dug underneath the surface, helped to shift her perspective, her beliefs around some things. I provided some um, education about why society <laughs> um, believes certain things about relationships and how that us makes us doubt ourselves. Um, we go into a lot of different really awesome directions. So if you experience anxiety and overthinking and doubt in your relationship, this episode is going to be so helpful for you. I know you're going to see so much of yourself in Grace's story. And I know that a lot of the questions that she asked, I know you're asking them too. So enjoy this episode. Can't wait for you to hear it. And if you have more pressing questions about relationship anxiety, if you're wondering, oh my gosh, am I the only one asking this question? What does this mean that I'm having this doubt? Then I want you to check out our free resource called the Relationship Anxiety Clarity Guide, where I answer the top 10 most frequently frequently asked questions that I have gotten over the years as a relationship anxiety specialist. So go to the link in the show notes to get that free resource. And I hope that you find that incredibly helpful. Enjoy the episode. I've been on this journey with relationship anxiety for a little over a year, but really just started working on it um, September of last year. So I haven't been, I haven't been like working on it for too long, but I still am like, it's been, you know, not six months. Why am I not cured yet? And everybody who has been through it is like, oh, ma'am. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, girl, you are just getting started. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, a quick, I guess, just a quick, like, uh, elevator speech about my my just current partner situation in, in case it it will be I'm relevant in, in my questions. Um, I have a, I've, I've been dating the same guy since I actually moved here almost exactly a year ago, like to the week to Austin from Chicago. And um, I met my current partner, Doug, right after I moved here, like a week after I moved here. That was not the plan, of course, but you know, life happens and I met him and we've been seeing each other since. Um, and I have had, I've struggled with relationship anxiety before we met with my last, my previous partner in Chicago was the first time I experienced it. It's debilitated me twice, um, once two summers ago, and then once back in September. And what I mean by that is like, I had just fully non-functional, full mental breakdown, my parents taking care of me. My mom had to fly here to Austin because I couldn't like feed myself or do anything. And that is, I'm very I have anxiety, I have OCD, but I'm a very high functioning individual. Like that kind of thing does not happen. I do not ask for help, right? But it was like my body shut down. So it really is like 
it, I took it super, super seriously after those things happened and like, okay, this is something I need to address. So kind of a little background about me and um, yeah, I've got, I've got a few questions. I'm going to, I'll pick one. Um, you know, the, the one up a lot, I, it's funny when I ask it to myself, I imagine you and Sarah, like knowingly smiling at me, like being like, you already know the answer to this question. <laughs> um, but I think it might be a good one to ask because I'm, I'm curious about what you'd say. But um, my question is, um, what is different about us? Because I understand, I know that comparing ourselves, those of us with relationship anxiety and my, my relationship to other relationships is, is, is not good, is counterproductive, because whenever I do it, it, it may help, makes me spiral, right? So I, I understand that logically on a physical level, I'm not, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I do understand why. And I know that, that, you know, in movies and Hollywood and even in people in our lives, like we don't know their journey, their backstory. We don't know if what they're presenting on Instagram is real, right? But, you know, what about those who, who genuinely don't have the same types of anxieties maybe they they struggle in their relationship but they just they don't have this this intense struggle and work that they need to do around relationships and i ask this because i had a conversation with one of my friends recently and she had a really tough childhood um she's had anxiety her whole life but relationship anxiety is just not something she identifies with and in every other way we're really similar and she literally is like grace i am not I'm just being 100% honest with you and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm here for you. But she's like, I did not experience this with my husband. Like I did not. She's like, I met him and things were just sort of easy from day one. And she's like, I realize this is not, this is the exception, not the rule. But she's like, I wish I could help you more, but I truly don't understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So my question is what about, yeah, what like, is everyone just lying? Uh, are we just really, really different? Is it a mix? curious about your take on this yeah I love this question because it's there's a part of us we so badly want to understand like what's what's the formula like okay and if maybe if I understand then I'll feel a little bit better about it and this is one of those things where it's like it's so complex that I even couldn't give you a straightforward why well this this is why you have relationship anxiety and why this person doesn't yeah. But what I, something that's coming up for me as you ask that question is every, nearly every person at some point in their life is going to come face to face with something that they're going to have to work through. And especially yeah, in true. relationships, if your goal is a long-term committed relationship for the rest of your life, you will come face, you will come to a turning point in your relationship. Like where you are head to head with a fear, a pattern, a dynamic in your relationship. And you have the questions of, are we going to work through this or not? Am I going to stay or am I going to go? And those of us with relationship anxiety, what I will say is that for those of us who experience it in the beginning, we get mm -hmm. that right away. <laughs> we go through that in the beginning of the relationship. And People who don't have anything like that, no doubts, I just knew it was easy. They're going to go through something like that at some point. Not to be like pessimistic of like, oh, you just wait, you think it's easy? No, just right. <laughs> like, it's not even like that. It's your time just hasn't come yet. 
for that person. Everyone goes through something. Yeah, I see something. what you're saying. Yeah. Relationships are bound to challenge you in ways that you never thought imaginable. Relationships, in my opinion, are like one of the biggest portals of spiritual growth and self-awareness and self-evolution because navigating life with another imperfect person and facing the uncertainties and the messiness of life together at some point it's bound to bring up something that you can't just that's gonna take fucking work yeah and for those with for those of us with relationship anxiety it you know comes from within us it's stuff from our past it's our own fears our own perfectionism our fears of failure fears of making a mistake whatever it is that is that manifests itself as not being able to trust in the relationship but just because someone is not experiencing anxiety in the beginning and they have an easy start and it was an easy yes and it was a it was a full body fuck yes and i just knew that, that's wonderful i will that's awesome that they get to experience that and if they want to be together 10 20 30 40 50 years oh honey they're gonna come up against something where they're like Everything in me is at war. I feel like relationship anxiety is almost like a death and a rebirth. It's like an, initi an initiation into like a deeper mm -hmm. awareness of who you are and what love actually is. I'm not saying this person yeah. isn't experiencing love. I'm not saying that. But another phase of love or another phase of their relationship will require them to redefine what love is or expand the definition of what love is. And for those of us who have relationship anxiety in the beginning, we are forced to do that right up fucking front and to expand our definition of what love is. Because I know for, for me, it was like, for me, love had to fit into all these boxes of shoulds, how it should feel, how it mm -hmm. should look what our compatibility should look like and love was requiring me to expand that definition and that was really scary and i was really anxious about that and i was really afraid so i don't think i directly answered your question i kind of answered another question but yeah what's coming up for you Rebecca? no you did no you absolutely did you you totally did those, those are some there are several points in there i didn't think about and i um i'm so fascinated by parts work and i just and like I'm doing it any moment I can because it's just resonated so much for me and during that I, I realized I have this part and it's a part that comes up in other ways too but there's this part that feels very young inside of me that is that is kicking and screaming and throwing things and just just pissed it's unfair why you know like I'm young I am like, this is the time in my life when I should be enjoying this. It seems like everyone else around me is experiencing love. And it's almost like there was like a pinata and everybody else got the candy and I didn't get any candy. Oh. And I'm just mad about it. You know, there's just like this inner child that is just like, what the fuck, man? Like, this isn't fair. Because I have so much like to give. And I am like, and growing up, especially, and through my teenage years, through my 20s, I just, that was like a hallmark of my personality was like, just love flowing from my fingertips to everyone. You know, I just am like, I'm a theater kid. I'm a performer. I'm, I'm a friend. I always had a boyfriend. I was never single, you know, growing up. And I just have so much love. And it's just like, 
I couldn't wait to be 30 and to be able to show that love to someone and like bring my relationship to a place that I couldn't when I was younger, you know? And now that I'm there, I'm like, my, my body it doesn't, it is reject. There's so much resistance. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's just this, this angry part. So that's kind of what came up when you were talking is like, you're totally right. And, and the reality is that like, I can, I can like acknowledge that part and be like, God, I know, I know you just want to kick stuff. Go ahead and kick stuff. Yes. It, it does. Suck. It really sucks. And there's <laughs> almost like a, a grief there for what yeah. you're not able to experience. Like, yeah. Ugh. And it's not like I won't ever be able to necessarily, but right now I, I wanted to at this age, like at this age, like many of us, I had a picture of what my life would look like. And I have every other piece. I've got a great career. I have really good friends. I am like finding things I love to do. I'm like scuba diving and traveling all over. Like little me would be so pumped about that. But at this time in my life, I also had a husband and, and children and and that part I don't have. So it's like hard for me to feel gratitude for any other part because that part isn't in, isn't in place and I can't control it. Like I thought I could, I really like when I was younger in my twenties, this sounds like ridiculous, but I swear I was able, I would like meet a guy and be like this guy, I'm going to date this guy hundred percent. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I did it. And then it was just, it was like easy for me to like connect with people and to like figure. And now it's just like, everything is suddenly very, very hard. Once I reach this age that I thought I'd have everything together. So I think, um, yeah, I think that that's, that's important to consider and something else. Um, unless I don't want to interrupt you if you had something to say on that, but something else came up, I'll talk about too. Yeah. Just, um, it's reminding me a lot of myself too. And it's like when the reality of your life doesn't match the, the expectations or the fantasy or the shoulds that you had about what it's supposed to be like at a certain time. Yeah. And yeah. You're naming this part of you. That's like, ah, and it's again, coming up for me is like to grieve, to grieve what you thought life would be or should be to, and part of, grief one of the stages of grief is like anger right mm -hmm. so to grieve let yourself grieve what you thought the fantasy of what you thought life should be right it's very actually kind of funny of us to think that we have certainty of how our life is supposed to go like when we really think about it we're like oh that's cute of me to think that i'm god and i can like know exactly <laughs> how my life yeah but to let our human to let our human grieve to let our younger self grieve her fantasy of Oh, when I'm this age, I'm going to have the, the husband and the kids, like let her grieve, let her feel sad. Cause when we can clear that grief out and honor it, then we can finally look like we're coming face to face with the reality. And then we go, okay, so here is my life. Now the final stage of grief is acceptance. Okay. Here is my life. Now I can open myself up to it. Now what? Now I can open myself to creativity and get creative with what is here right in front of me instead of fighting against it and trying to yeah. keep fitting it into the fantasy that your younger self had. We can let her grieve. We can honor her grief, her anger, and trust that eventually we come to acceptance and creative possibility. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I love that creative possibility. That's a great way to put it. Um, so yeah, besides, besides that, I think you talked about um, those of us who experienced it in the beginning. And that brings me to another one of my questions. I think a lot of us, I have heard in group people ask questions and then, you know, on Instagram, I see it all the time. Like, what if I didn't have a honeymoon phase? What if it was from date one? Does that mean I should leave? You know, looking for those answers. And I do have those same questions, but I try to, now that I've been doing this work for a bit, I try to catch those and be like, okay, am I, I'm looking for an answer. How can I, you know, how can I get curious about this? Because with my current partner, it really was day one. Like it really was like, I, I think I went through like a bit of an infatuation phase kind of on and off, but I had like full panic after our second date. Um, I, I just all of a sudden felt ick and was like, oh my God, I have to tell him right now that we're not going to be together. Second date. I, I was like, I have to call him and I have to tell him. Yeah, and my therapist, bless her heart, was like, hey, no. She was like, we're going to try something. We're going to try a little experiment. She's like, we are not going to you're not going to do that. You're going to, you're going to sit through this panic attack you're having and wait until it's over and then make a decision. And I, when I tell you it was blind faith, I was like, I've been seeing this therapist for two years. I really trusted her. And I was like, Ellen, I do not feel that this will end until I tell him that we're not going to be together, but you know what? I've tried everything else. And I trust you and you, and I'm going to just, I'm going to just try it. I'm not going to physically call him. And it took like two days for the panic to subside, but it did. It really did. And I remember calling, like meeting with my therapist and be and being in tears. I was so, I was so proud and grateful. It was a huge breakthrough because I had never, I realized I had never sat through panic like wow. that in my entire life. Whenever panic hit, I always take action. In some way, I always yeah. took action. And that was the first time in my life, I was 30 at this point, that I did not take action and it actually went away. And so it gave me evidence that the panic will end and it, I don't ha it doesn't mean I have to do something. And so that was a huge breakthrough for me. Um, and, and it didn't like, and so I started seeing my partner and like was so grateful that I didn't run because he's amazing. And then things were really great for a couple months. And then... He met my family and went to my lake house with me. And I remember on that trip, like talking to my sister and I was like, I was just like, I just, I don't want to jinx it, but like, I feel like this is really working out. And he got along with my family and I was just bubbling over with love for him and feeling like, oh my God, I finally met the guy, you know? And then I got home and I had the episode where... I was like, I, I woke up and I was like, I have to break up with him. Yeah. The timing, not coincidental, I'm sure. Yep, but, nope. but you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. But I think that there is a lot of, there is a lot of rhetoric around, even in the relationship anxiety space around like the honeymoon phase and how like, um, you know, people experience relationship anxiety years in, and that doesn't mean this, but what about experiencing it in the very beginning because I do think that especially TikTok therapists, no, no shade to my TikTok therapist, but you know, especially in social media and TikTok, right? It's like, you know, if you experience the ick right away, you may not want to keep seeing that person because it is, you know, the initial thing where for me, like I did, I did stay. And so I just, yeah, your thoughts on on relationship anxiety from the beginning. I'd love for you to 
tell me more about what you think about that. I mean, that was my experience. Again, there's no one yeah. right experience. Like one experience, is it more valid or less valid than another? Like yeah. it comes up when it comes up. But for me, it was like after the first day, I was like, <laughs> definitely not going to last. Like definitely got to end this. Like after the first date. Um, yeah. And something that's coming up for me is the philosophy of romanticism, right? The philosophy yeah. of romanticism is a philosophy about about life, about relationships that came about, I don't know, I'm so bad with history and dates. It came about like in the 18 or 1900s or something, probably mm -hmm. really wrong. I taught about romanticism in a class once and I'm already forgetting the times. But it was like before, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, before the philosophy of romanticism, marriage was not based on feelings. Marriage was right. truly like a contractual agreement that benefited like, Families, you get the land and you get the this and da, 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 da. And so it was asinine to think that a marriage started because of love. And it was understood in that time frame, love is built, right? Love is built over time. And then the age of romanticism came and we swung, swung to the opposite pendulum, you know, which is like, you know, having people forced to be together for land, you know, could result in some not great things. So we swung to the opposite pen pendulum and romanticism says, you know, it's right when you have this certain magical feeling and it's the certain magical yeah. feeling that is the basis of marriage. And so a lot of people's relationship anxiety is actually fueled in romanticism. And it says mm -hmm. the, that initial feeling, honeymoon phase, romantic, whatever, butterflies, whatever you define it as that's the feeling that must be there because that's actually the foundation that has to be there in order for a relationship to be legitimate or right and so for those of us who don't have that in the beginning because we're so fucking anxious or whatever we, because of romanticism which is just kind of widely accepted as fact and the only way we go oh my gosh is there something wrong with me then is this relationship actually wrong because i didn't have that honeymoon, romantic, infatuation, butterfly feeling. And so it's like, we're, we're only seeing relationships in the context of our current societal narrative. Mm -hmm. And when our experience doesn't fit into that narrative, we go automatically into questioning ourselves instead of questioning the yeah. narrative. Is that yeah, like what, what has happened with you? Like questioning yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, because I, like I said, I was such a romantic growing up and all my diaries as a kid, like talk about, I can't wait to be in love and I can't wait to, you know, and having really emotionally intense relationships really young and really early on in my life. Like I was way too young to have the serious relationships I had when I was 16, 17. Like I just, you know, and, and so, yeah, I, I totally, I agree that that is what's happening at least with me and i'm sure with with other people i have another so another question that's coming up for me uh, around this and just because we're talking about different different phases of relationship being in a long-term relationship you know we change you're going to hit roadblocks if you haven't it's just like because we're human you know my what is, what are your thoughts about loving a partner's potential because here is another thing that everyone on social media and everywhere i feel like in the narrative is do not fall in love with the person's potential 
fall in love with who they are right now. And my doing relationship anxiety work has shown me that this most, this does apply to definitely to like abusive relationships, whether they're emotionally or physically abusive, right? Like you do not want to assume that someone's going to change. Um, but my situation, I'll tell you a little bit about my situation is that I am, I live in Austin. Like I said, I, I work at a big company. I have a, I have a great career that I spent years and years building. And I finally am like, have the career and I have the salary and I have the, I have pets and I have a home and I'm like set. My partner is like just beginning this journey. He's three years younger than me. He is just starting school to be a medical professional and he will not, he will be in school for another year and a half probably. Um, And then he will be a medical professional and, you know, be in the world, but he's still got a year and a half before he has a career and he he has a job right now. Once he starts this more intensive part of the program, he's sort of unsure of what's going to happen. He's going to try to figure something out, but it's full time and he likely won't be able to work. So we've been dating almost a year. And so this question's twofold. Um, One part one is like, so much of my anxiety latches onto this fact that we are in such different places in life. And I, I am tired of um, being the breadwinner. I'm tired of being, because my last relationship, it was the same way. Even the relationship before that, like I make more money. I'm always paying for dinner. I'm always paying for like, if I go on a trip and I want him to come, I have to pay Um, because he can't, not because he doesn't want to. He He isn't at this place and he doesn't have the freedom to travel like I do. He doesn't have like, these things. And so like, I feel like, and I'm 31 and the clock is ticking in my head. And I'm like, it, I'm, I'm like in a year and a half, we can't do anything until he's done with school because it wouldn't be sustainable to like start a family or do anything like that. Right. Like, so that's, I'm at least 33 before we even start thinking about that stuff. Right. So that gives me anxiety. Also, like he is in this deeply wounded state because being in pre-med medical school is horrible. It's horrible. It's just, Uh it's like, it's so bad on the ego, right? Like it's so tough on the ego and I have so much compassion because I went to grad school while I was working. It was awful. And like, I have so much compassion, but he is definitely in this like wounded masculine state. And that kind of icks me, you know? And like, I just, I see so much potential because he's so smart emotionally and like book smart. He he has really good instincts in terms of taking care of me. He has such an excitability about life and the world that I've never experienced in other partners. There are, he would be a great dad. He comes from a great family. His sister's one of my best friends. Like there all of the things are there. He's just he's not there yet, right? And it's like reasonably he will be. Yeah. But I keep asking myself like is waiting the wrong thing? Like you know, and, and the, my therapist is like, well, do you love him right now? And my que- and, and that question for me is tough because I say yes, but I don't even really know. I, I feel there's so much clouding it yes. at this moment. Yeah. I think the cloudedness, there's a sense of like pressure. Like there's a, a heavy focus I'm hearing on time. Feeling like okay, my the clock is ticking, and this time, and this time, and this time, and 
while time limitations are real, I'm not saying to ignore that. I'm like, yeah, you can start having a family at 75. Like, I'm not saying to ignore yeah, right, the right, very right. real things of time. But for as a thought experiment, if for a moment we could completely set aside the concept of time and things needing to be done by X, Y, and Z time, what do you notice? What do you notice in your body it's really first? Hard for me. Yeah. I would say there's definitely some release of tension and most of the tension around, like I feel in my upper body and my shoulders, my chest, but there's definitely still like a swirly anxiety because if there's no time limit, then, then when? It's that uncertainty. It's like yes, there it is. Uncomfortable with uncertainty thing, where it's like, well, if there's no time limit, then it could take even longer. That's terror. That's so scary. <laughs> like, you know, I wanted this yesterday. <laughs> so it's really it's a discomfort yeah. with the uncertainty of what the timeline looks like. Yeah, and and what he looks like on the other side of it, uh -huh. which like he doesn't even know. So no. I mean, yeah. But there's something, and I think intuition is such a tough topic for us with relationship anxiety, but I think it's intuition. It's so quiet and subtle, but like there's something, it's deeper. It's like more stomach, I feel it when I think of it. That's like, this is worth it. Like this is worth waiting for like your feelings about him being really reliable solid secure and healthy partner probably the first one i've ever had to be honest are true and two things can be true as natalie would say uh that like like and he's going through a really difficult time in his life that is triggering all yes. of my stuff right so um that brings me directly to um, what should I do about it, about this? And the answer is probably nothing. However, <laughs> I could offering for him to move in with me because I still don't know. And I'm trying, I'm trying to let go of control. I'm also a nitpicker and I am like, and he has actually been brave enough, even in his like low self-esteem moments to talk to me about how it makes him feel bad when I pick him, pick at him, uh, especially about school, which I just like hate that I've done that to him. I've gotten a little better, but like, I don't know how he's gonna pay rent when he's in school because he's not gonna be able to work really. And he just kind of like, isn't talking about it. And every time I bring it up, it's like very stressful and he just like doesn't want, and so like, logically we've been dating for a little over a year we get we are there's there we're in a very healthy dynamic for the most part right there's no abuse you know he's very respectful of me i make great money i have a big apartment two bed two bath that i live in alone like realistically like logically he should move in but like oh <laughs> there's yeah, so much the fear there if I were to let him move in and him not pay rent, what am I afraid of, of, of that meaning or what, what, 
Yeah. I am afraid. I'm afraid that even though I understand his situation and empathize that I would resent him, that the resentment, whatever that emotion is, is it disappointment? Is it, I, I felt it before. I felt it before, like, um, for with him, like there's a resentment that I don't want to carry for years. Right. Like I want to, I want to, if he were to move in, I, I would want to figure out how to release that, but I'm worried that I would, it would just sit on me like a big heavy weight, you know? And, and, and I worry about that. I I've never lived with a partner and that just scares me on its own, like without mm -hmm. any of this. Right. Like, like, and it puts us in a situation where like, yeah, we're not married, but like we're in a situation where breaking up would be more difficult and he would essentially have nowhere to go. And I'm worried about him. I'm worried about him. I'm worried about like if we were to break up, if it weren't to work or what didn't work you out. Just like notice how your brain is going into every possible future worst case yeah. scenario. Before you and he leaves clothes on the floor. And he gets messy. And he's this. You know, it's like there's just all these things that I'm like, I don't know if I could live with it. Yeah, the, the messiness. Uh, the complexity of navigating a human relationship that's what you're coming up against like the uncertainty of it the messiness of it the complexity of it right and anxiety kind of wants things to be in this formula things to be predictable things to be controllable because if they're outside of that then ah, it activates all the, all the stuff but you're, you're speaking to something really important important which is resentment and un, under resentment is a need as a desire and it's like this desire this need isn't getting met there and then the often the result is I resent you. So mm -hmm. what are some of the desires that you have that if they were met, you wouldn't feel resentment? Does that make sense? What are the desires underneath that? Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I think like to be one of my desires is for my partner to not need me to coach them through their law like through things finances work life navigating and it's funny because i think i burned out caregiver burned out because i was basically a caregiver to like several of my exes and like i the pendulum has switched to like I do not want to take care of anyone. I want somebody who I want my partner to, to be self-assured. Everybody has self-esteem issues, but for the most part, like self-assured, steadfast, and like, you know, confident in their ability to move forward mm -hmm. in their lives. So that that's one of my needs. Another need is like, yeah, I think to be, to be monetarily taken care of once in a while, to be treated to things, um, to be like taken care of in terms of like, if I have travel or something I want to do, like they can go with me, no questions asked. And I don't have to figure out how I'm going to fit it into my budget. Um, and I never used to care about money. It like it, like the shame just creeps in because I'm like, am I now this person who like wants a rich boyfriend? Cause I never cared about that before, <laughs> but it's, it's just, yeah, it's the sense of like, yeah, there's, there's layers to it. And, and, so what, you know, hearing, what I have realized, yeah, go ahead. Is you're actually wanting to feel that your partner is equally contributing to the relationship. That yeah. 
and your your brain is kind of automatically going to money because I think you have experienced yeah like overcompensating in relationships not yes. just financially but probably in other ways emotionally and like being the one totally that... yeah so if here's the thing in relationships there's gonna be times where we can't show up in a particular way like for example when me and Matt first met I was going to grad school he was brand new in his career I was a broke student he was like new in his career like not making a lot of money yet um and then when I started my business I was like I'm starting a business and I don't know if it's going to fail or not. So if there's a chance that I can't pay rent, will you be there for me financially? And I'm, and I, you know, I am actively working toward making this business successful so that I'm not dependent mm -hmm. on you forever. Right. And I, I can hear and see that he's actively taking steps to build this career. Right. So if at this point in time, he's not able to meet you halfway financially, what are some other ways that he can meet you and show up that would signal to you like, okay, no, he is all the way here with me. I'm not the one carrying all of the load of the relationship. Does that make sense? You know, it's yeah. You know, what's going to be really interesting about this answer is I think it's, it's things that he's already doing like um, cooking for me. I really don't like to cook and he really does. Yeah. And so he will always offer to cook for me and he will cook for both of us if I'm really busy. Um, he will. I always, I always get choked up when I talk about the things that he does for me because he does so much for me. But my brain doesn't care about it sometimes. My anxiety is like, well, that doesn't matter. Here's all the things he's not doing. But like he, he is a solid foundation when I am in a, bad mental state he is physically there with me he is on the phone with me if i need it he is checking in on me he is offering whatever he can he's being relentlessly positive when i need him to be he's being he's sitting down in my hole with me when i need him to be um he let's, is like let's... supportive of my dreams and goals like yeah. he's let's doing everything else <laughs> I want to actually slow down and let this permeate into your body. Yeah. You said there's emotion there. So where, what are you feeling in your body as you reflect on all the ways he is showing up so fully? There's an interesting simultaneous, there are some simultaneous like things happening in my body. One of the things that happens whenever I talk about all the great things he does or all the great things about him is like there's a release feeling in my head and my jaw huh? like very much a like lightness that kind of just like spreads upwards that that feels like gratitude that that's what gratitude feels like in my body i've learned there's also a knot that is guilt hmm. because he is all these great things and I still wake up most days and doubt my love and my relationship and he does he deserves better than that right like he, he would he would be heartbroken likely if he knew all the details of this right like I don't know but like I just I feel like yeah it's that guilt that shame of like he is great and he doesn't deserve to be picked apart 
for the things that you know he's doing because another thing i was going to mention that i really want from him is i want him to be more conscientious like he's very forgetful and he forgets things like keys or his wallet or he'll leave something at a store or he'll and it's be, i think my theory is that he is he's so overwhelmed and stressed with school and with his life that that his brain doesn't have room because when i was in grad school i was a mess i was a mess yes. like i was the same way but for some reason i'm so critical of him when he for it, because and i i think it's because there's an anxious part yes. that is like see yes that's right you know so what i actually want to do here is create yeah. a, a little bit of parts work here to create some separation because you keep saying i'm so critical so therefore i feel guilty yeah. when i have this anxiety and i doubt him because when you started speaking to all the things that he does and all the things you loved about him a different energy took over your body and i think that's yeah your capital S self, your adult self, your sovereign self, who can see the reality of the here and now, the present of what you have. And the one that's anxious yeah. and nitpicking and so afraid of like looking for all the flaws, that's another part of you. So I want you to even begin when you say like, I'm nitpicking, I want you to even begin to shift the language of like this, maybe you give it a name, maybe, or maybe you say it's- this part, you know, yeah. It's little grace, you know, maybe it's like a younger version of you. So even just shifting that language, how does that feel? It feels, it, it feels relieving to be able to separate that part from the capital off self and it feels relieving to imagine that the part of me that gets emotional when i talk about all his good qualities is me because there have been times that i have been like i don't know if that's me that's just a part that just doesn't want to be alone mm. and that's a sneaky way that oh yeah and shame creep in right um when like i love when you and you and Sarah and, and Natalie and other relationship anxiety coaches talk about this concept that like, you know, when you re when there, there may be a time in your life, hopefully that you realize that like you are love and that love is in all of us and is just like here, right? All the time. And like that, that you feel it in your capital S self, right? Because it's, it is here. And, and it isn't something that you have to find or figure out how to get, right? Like it's yes. here. And, and I, I, I don't know that I know that in my body yet, but I believe in it. I believe in that, that concept. And I think in those moments, I feel it a little bit when I realize like there are so many wonderful things about him. And I feel that like love that is more present. And, but I'm, I'm, there's a lot of blockages for sure. There's a lot of resistance. A lot of parts that are trying real hard to um to get in the way of it but yeah yeah I what i'm sensing concept. is you know the, the part of you that like wells up with joy and gratitude yeah it's like he is mirroring back your own essence which is love like he is a clear mm. mirror for that and this relationship's all also mirroring back the parts of you that are still afraid to fully be in that essence of love and to fully trust yeah. 
love. And that's what relationships do is they mirror back to us how worthy we are. They, they, they allow us to experience what it means to be loved and seen and held and all these beautiful things. And they mirror back to us the parts of us that are not yet set free. Yeah. And it's wild to imagine that I could be afraid of something that I want so badly. That's always how and I've like heard that. And that's always how it is, right? It's like, I want, no, I want love and I want to be open. And how could I be preventing my own self from getting something that I, that I really want, but it, it's more complex than, than mm-hmm. that. So. We have our, our conscious self and our unconscious parts, you know, like our conscious self. I want love. I, why can't yeah. I just, we get frustrated? Why can't I just like, let me have this. This is what I want. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> these unconscious parts of us who are like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. This is, uh, this is really scary. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about this. Like, uh, so this work is really bringing these unconscious parts into our consciousness so that everyone can be on the same page, that the unconscious parts can get on the page and that these unconscious parts can see it's safe to have this now. It's safe to give and receive this love it's safe to take this risk it's safe to open up it's safe to be in the face of uncertainty but these parts aren't yet sure of that yeah or like it's only safe if i know that it's perfect it's only safe if i can see the future yeah only safe so their idea of safety is is kind of rigid or it's only safe if i you know if I, if I know that I love this, if it's a fuck yes, that's another, mm-hmm. like, it's only safe if I'm a hundred percent sure that I'm in love right now. It, mm-hmm. It's, if I know I'm not going to hurt the person, if I know the person's not going to hurt me, all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's only safe um, if I'm certain. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're, again, love, deep, deep love calls us to expand our definition of love calls us to expand our definition of life and calls to expand our definition of safety. It's like, okay, anxiety says safety is only found in certainty and love is inviting you to expand your ability to feel safe and to trust even when certainty is not there. Yeah. And when you can do that, life opens up for you and it doesn't feel so scary because you're not looking for something that doesn't exist right certainty in this life doesn't mm. really exist yeah and if we're afraid of being uncertain then we're really afraid of life so this is mm-hmm. what this relationship is doing is mirroring back to you like where your sense of freedom is still kind of bound in this box of certainty yeah and I absolutely agree it's a messy process yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, damn it. Oh, I know. Oh man. But yeah, I um I I know that the again, the anxiety around like him moving in with me is it's all it's all like asking the same question. And it is how can I know that it's right? And the answer is always gonna be the same and that I don't know. And you just have to do stuff. You got to do stuff and you got to try stuff and see <laughs> what happens. So really, like yeah, what I've um... shifted instead of how can I know that this is right or how can I know this is going to be okay is do I trust yeah. that I will be there for myself no matter what? Yeah. 
no matter how it turns out. And if the answer feels shaky with that, then that's where our work is of like really mm -hmm. building this solid foundation of trust that no matter what the outcome is, I will be there for myself. I will not abandon myself. I And if I feel like I can't be there for myself, I trust that I can reach out to get support. And I trust mm -hmm. that I, I trust in my resilience and I trust in my ability to be with whatever emotions because it's not the the situation we're afraid of it's the feelings we would feel in the situation yeah so am i afraid of my own emotions and a lot of us are because we've learned we've learned to be afraid of our own emotions or no one was there to mm -hmm. hold those emotions with us so we learned like i can't carry this emotion it's too big it's too much yeah you're freaking doing yeah. it <laughs> doing it definitely you know in a different place than i was back in september so you know just huge i yeah i would love to be fully healed um by now i would love to be you know in love with my partner and a fuck yes and not, not worried but um i'm trying to be i'm trying to continue to be patient because i have noticed subtle changes um over time and i just plan us to just keep going so yeah and it's those subtle small changes that make up the big changes over time like it, in yeah. two years you'll look back exactly. and be like holy shit wow i feel like a different person or wow things are so different yeah but in the moment it's like oh, it's just only this little subtle change so never yeah underestimate the subtle changes because the subtle changes are the things that make up that big change in, in the future that you're going to really feel. Yeah, absolutely. Celebrate that. Celebrate. <sighs> yeah. You're doing it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so glad we got to have this time together. Um, me too. Me too. I hope we get more time. I'm sure we will. It was so wonderful to hear that Q&A, that conversation with Grace again. Um, not long after we recorded this, we worked together one-on-one -on -one for several months, and she took the friggin' leap, and her and her partner have been living together, and um, she said how natural it feels, how, you know, just making the decision, taking the leap has helped her build more trust in herself and has allowed her to experience things that she didn't think were possible. Um, even when we had this conversation, she couldn't even fathom being able to take a step like that. So I'm just celebrating her and her growth, her willingness to keep showing up for herself, even in the midst of fear and uncertainty. It's just a testament to this work. And the fact that you're not always going to feel so terrified of the things that you're currently afraid of. Um, it is possible to build this courage and to have deeper understanding of yourself and for your body to feel safe to take the risk of love. So if you are wanting support in being able to feel safe, to choose your partner, to feel more grounded in your decision. If every other area of your life seems so wonderful, just like Grace, and you're like, why the heck 
Am I having all this doubt in my relationship? First, know you're not alone and know that there is support for this. And this is what we do with clients every single day. We help them to feel empowered in their relationships, just like they're empowered in other areas of their life. Um, It's just about translating that empowerment, that trust into the context of relationships because relationships often carry a lot more baggage, a lot more vulnerability, a lot more risk than other areas of our lives. So it makes complete sense why we feel doubtful and anxious in our relationships when our heart is literally on the line. And if we've been hurt in the past, it feels even scarier to put our hearts out there again. So if you want more support with relationship anxiety so that you can feel confident in taking the next step in your relationship and moving forward and being all in, then I want to invite you to book a free clarity call with our team member, Mariana. Um, there's going to be a link in the show notes. You can fill out an application and see if working with us is a good fit. And you can meet with Mariana one-on-one to hear about how we can support you, what services, what options that we have to support you. Um, And if you personally don't experience relationship anxiety or you have already done a lot of work with your relationship anxiety and you have been so personally transformed by your own inner work that you want to be able to help other people. You want to be able to facilitate transformation for people. You want to be able to guide people into their bodies in a way that feels so safe and empowering. That I am so excited to share and announce that we have opened up the Healing Embodied Practitioner Training Program. This is going to be a year-long advanced training for those who want to have a career or advance their career in helping people using somatic work, creative expression, embodiment, trauma work, shadow work, and so much more. We are so excited to be launching this practitioner training program. It is uh, accredited by the Complementary Therapist Accreditation Association. So all graduates of this program will be certified, which is so freaking cool. So we start spring 2024. Good Lord, that is three months away from now. (laughs) Um, So if you want more information about that, I'm going to put a waitlist link in the show notes as well. And you'll get an email with a little bit more details about what this program is about. And then you'll be prompted to respond to that email if you want to apply. So if you want to do the friggin' magic life-changing work that we do with clients, this program is for you. And this goes so far beyond relationship anxiety. What our clients always discover through this work is like, oh my gosh, wait, this applies to like every area of life. This isn't just about relationship anxiety. This is about me being with my emotions. Yes, relationship anxiety is just the niche we happen to choose, but we've been doing this work far far longer than you know just relationship anxiety work. We've we've worked with clients from so many different walks of life, experiencing so many different things, and we've seen the magic of this work over and over and over and we want to teach others 
how to do the incredible work that we do with clients. So whether you work with people in relationships, with money, with career, with um, other emotions, with health, if you work with humans, you're going to want to learn how to guide them into their bodies to address the patterns from the root. And all humans have bodies. <laughs> so no matter what you're experiencing in your life, whether it's in relationship to your business, to your career, to your partner, to your health, to your body image, your body is holding and storing the emotions that drive the patterns that we have. So to really facilitate effective lasting change with clients in whatever area, the body is the pathway. Hence, healing embodied. <laughs> healing is embodied. It's something that must be embodied and felt and experienced on a cellular level. And we want to train other people how to walk clients through that experience. So, so excited to be announcing this. Check out the links in the show notes, whether you want support with relationship anxiety or whether you want to support others with their emotions through embodiment work. All the information is in the show notes. Sending you all so much love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. This is going to be the last podcast episode of 2023. Wow, wow, wow. We're going to take a bit of a break and then we'll be back in 2024. Can't wait to chat with you again.